1965, Dr. Martin Luther King said, thousands of jobs a week are disappearing in the wake of automation. Black and white, we will all be harmed unless something grand and imaginative is done. I don't know about you, but we're visionaries over here, which is why we created Career Karma and aligned ourselves with organizations like the Tech Jobs Tour that is making you aware of the jobs that are being created because of technology. If you want to go and get you one, make sure you go to breakingintostars.com slash webinar. And I think that it's important to emphasize that this interview was in 1965, but jobs have been created and destroyed since the Industrial Revolution in 1760. So during this episode, as you listen to the CEO of the Tech Jobs Tour, talk about not just the jobs that, be, that are being created, but also the training programs that you can go to to get the skills. I want to remind you that this has been going for years in history. And if you want to make sure that you can ride the wave instead of uh, getting hit by the wave, uh, really pay deep attention. Go to the webinar, like our page on Facebook, join our community and make comments on our YouTube channel that we just started dropping at Breaking Stars and Career Karma. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies, Arthur Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yes. So it's uh, 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. We're back recording another episode of Breaking Into Startups. This is not just audio. We have a video crew here. So shout out to Eight Heroes. And I'm really excited for the guest today. Ruben, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, I, I want to start off by just saying thank you to Oscar Robles for setting this up. But we're here with Leanne Pittsford, who many of you know as the founder of Let's Be In Who Tech that has 40,000 members in it. She also is the CEO of Tech Jobs Tour that we're going to be speaking at later on tonight that has also helped about 40,000 people as well. And what you all may not know is that she's also been the founder or she is the founder of Include.io, Lean Impact, and several other organizations that have done a lot of things, not just for the professional world, but also for the political world. And we're going to talk about her background growing up, how she's from San Diego, and in addition to other things. But for now, let's just say welcome, Leanne. So excited to be here. So excited to have you here. So since we are going to be at the event tonight and you all are doing Seven City Tour, I think this is the fifth mm -hmm. one. Tell us a little bit about the Tech Jobs Tour and what it's all about. The Tech Jobs Tour is all about shocking jobs. It's about tech jobs, helping <laughs> underrepresented people. And we wanted to make it really confusing, the title, so you mm -hmm. didn't really know what it was for. <laughs> But it's all about helping underrepresented talent, getting uh, connected to tech jobs, right? There's over half a million open tech jobs in this country, yep. and they pay three times okay. more than average, the average salary in America. So it's about not only jobs, but it's about economic opportunity for all Americans. Got it. And so I, I know tonight, I mean, there's the CTO of the United States, Megan Smith. There's the, the former, not right now. Former, not, former, not, yeah, former, yeah. Former, yeah right. <laughs> it's a little distinction. Yeah. yeah. Little, good to clarify <laughs> that. And the VP of engineering of Reddit, Nick Caldwell, who's been on the podcast before. We got the VP of engineering of Glassdoor. You know, who are some other guests that you've had here? You know, how do people hear about these events? Techjobstore.com. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook and all the things as well. You know, but essentially we do everything from a career fair to speed mentoring. We have amazing content. You're going to do an incredible interview tonight. But it's really about connections. You know, okay. it's so hard to, to break into this industry, into different careers. But companies are really thirsty for this talent. So if yeah. you come, 
you do speed mentoring session, you will definitely meet six people. Yeah. You know, how many events can you go to and you have a guaranteed six connections that you can get tonight? I think like, you, we talked about mentoring in the pre-chat. You said there's like 14,000 mentoring sessions. That we have done. Already. Yeah, we've done over 30 cities since we've started and over 14,000 mentoring connections wow. that have happened in the store. That's pretty impressive. Who are, what are some other companies that, that join or what are other organizations that are involved that you may not think about when you think jobs that are just companies? Yeah, we partner with, you know, every boot camp that we can partner with mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, getting those, not only the jobs, but the skills. Right. In different cities, it might be more vocational training, right? Partnering with online courses. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's different types of training and education that we want to bring awareness to throughout each city. And every city has their different ecosystem, right? It might be more IT jobs in certain cities. It might be more sales tech, technical roles. So it's really about highlighting what's possible. And there's limitless possibilities in some of these things. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and I mean, we're huge believers in mentorship and events. We know you're the the queen of events. It's something that's, (laughs) that's been very unique to us. To you that we've seen actually is in your sign up form. I know you don't just track tickets; you track, you know, who the person is, what they want to do. Like, tell us a little bit about your evaluation form and and the data that you have, or like the details that you have about these people that are attending your events. Yeah, I mean, look, people don't have a lot of time, right? And we want to curate the best possible experience. So, knowing if you're entry level, if you've been there for five years, type of skills you have, you might be a software engineer, but you might have all this other background that maybe isn't on your job title. And so we want to make sure that we're curating the best experience possible for you. And you need a little bit of data to understand who's going to be in attendance. Yeah, And I yeah. think that's the, the thing that, you know, really differentiates us is that you can, you know, mentor with a group of people that are designers or that are other software engineers or data scientists. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talked about this as well, as far as hiring is concerned, like people apply online and there's direct referral. You know, what are the things that you've seen are, are most effective? And like, how are you thinking about like helping people? get jobs faster that helps them like when they're qualified to get noticed. Absolutely. I mean, look, we've worked with a lot of companies and generally across the board, most companies hire two-way. They hire from a set of schools that they've built relationships with. Maybe they just copy the same schools that Google and Facebook hire from. And then, you know, it's all about direct referrals. And so, you know, oftentimes people apply in line and they just feel like it goes off into the ether and and oftentimes it does, you know? And so finding that access to direct referral and we do that through our events and building those relationships. Yeah. And for the people that are in the job search, we also talked about sympathizing with the recruiter because the recruiter gets like 20,000 resumes normally from other events and it's hard to sift through which ones are the best ones, right? So like, what are your thoughts about it from a recruiter perspective? What makes it difficult for them? Look, recruiting is a hard job. I mean, we've been hiring a lot and it is, you know, hiring talent, I think is actually one of the things, the hardest things for all companies. Um, If you can figure out how to hire a team of people that are as passionate as you as the founder, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's really, I think, how to be successful. But I yeah. think that's something that's really difficult. Look, you know, I think there are all types of ways to stand out in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you're, you know, going to a career fair, you know, wear an interesting shirt, you know, mm-hmm. have a good opening line, tell them the thing you love best about their company, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the quick and, you know, small nuggets that are going to mm-hmm. get you remembered in a long line of people. Mm-hmm. But you have to do more than that. You have to find someone who works at that company, maybe multiple yeah. people yeah. and trying to get access to that direct referral. Yeah. Yeah. One of our listeners on the podcast, her name is Zamzam. Oh, yeah. Um, she actually went to one of the career uh, fair conferences mm-hmm. and she just found someone who worked at eBay. Mm-hmm. She approached him and she was like, hey, I really want to learn about your company. Like she found out about his engineering team, like his, their team's engineering. And then she didn't realize that she was talking to the VP of engineering from eBay. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then um, through that, she was able to get a referral and then led, that led to an internship at eBay now. And her story is incredible because she's from Kenya. Like, Kenya and just shows like the power of referral, but also the power of being proactive. And if you don't have like friends who work at these companies, that doesn't mean that you can't get a referral in. You Absolutely. just have to try harder. And we talk about cold emailing a lot. Yeah. We talk about just meeting people for coffee, mm-hmm. approaching people. So yeah. and I think it's good that you highlighted that because, you know, Zam Zam came from Kenya. She got a scholarship. She went to school. And when she was at that conference, she didn't know that it was a VP of engineering. Right? Yeah, she, she just, just said, what's up? Similar to like the tech job store. If you're there, you might notice people that might seem interesting to you and say, what's up? You know, you never know. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of people go to events and they just hang out with the friends the whole time. And yeah. Absolutely. And we have listeners like all over the United States. So can you just talk about the locations that you guys have these events at and how could people like find out about the next event coming in their area or in their city? We're going to LA in October. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in Oakland in December. And then we're actually right now making the roadmap for 2019. So oh, wow. if you're in a city that you want us to come to, you, you know, Leanne at techjobstore.com, let me know and we'll make it happen. Out there. And, and, and you did 25 cities before that. Can you talk about like those cities or like the average attendance for those, those events? We've had anywhere from 300 to 3000 people. Wow. You know, we've been to places like Kentucky and West Virginia and Baltimore. And obviously, you know, the cities like Boston, Seattle and San Francisco. And, you know, I mean, the reality is there's open tech jobs everywhere. Yeah. You know, some of the issues are different depending what city you're in. You know, we met with people who are teaching, you know, former coal miners how to code. Right. And there's some really interesting things on the educational side. But, you know, part of us going to these cities is learning, you know, what's out there and not recreating the wheel, but figuring out how we can, you know, figure out the gaps and help support Mm -hmm. people and also bring people from. You know, there's so many transplants from the coast, right? And yeah. cu- having them go back to their hometown and be a part of that growth and the opportunity and getting a lot of the money that's stuck in the coast. You know, we need mm-hmm. to invest in the middle of the country and other places Yeah, mm-hmm. besides San Francisco and New York. So, you know, those are some of the big picture things we're working on. And on the podcast, we talk a lot about people wanting to work at tech companies, but tech companies actually want to hire more people. And since you like very in touch with various companies on San Francisco, New York, even middle of the country, what are like when you speak to them, what are some of the pain points that these companies are facing that our listeners could solve or can kind of can position their story to address the pain points that the company is, is facing at that point in time? I mean, there's so many pain points that these companies are facing. I mean, I think you mentioned a great point in, in terms of recruiting. People are having a hard time sifting through the resumes, figuring out who stands out. I think, you know, we're moving to this world of non, non, what we're calling non-traditional talent, right? Not just going and getting your education from a four-year university in computer science, but going to a coding boot camp, learning your skills online. So possible to be self-taught mm-hmm. in this day. And companies are having a hard time assessing that skill set, right? Yeah. A lot of times because the engineers that you know currently work at their company don't have that background and yeah. they don't know which boot camp is the best, what it really means to have this experience. What are you lacking? What are the gaps you need to get in that first apprenticeship? I think companies are really struggling to figure that all out. And that's a part of the big friction that's going yeah. on right now between the open jobs and all the people who can do the jobs but aren't getting access to yeah, the jobs. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about like the types of jobs, because I think a lot of people might assume that it's engineering jobs, but tech jobs means so everything much. across the board. So what are some of the roles that you see that are super popular that get underrepresented and like when people think about applying for tech jobs. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things, you know, we, we have on our website, all types of, you know, types of technical jobs, but, you know, I think going out there and sort of like putting in some skills, whether it's like LinkedIn or other types of websites, mm-hmm. and, f- and especially for your city, it might change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's seen what's specific to your city and the types of roles, even if you don't know, but just sort of put in some like technical keywords like data science or IT or 
design or UX, just start mm-hmm. to see what their exact roles are and what are the skill sets that you might have and then how to, to figure out the ones that you don't and how to get that types of those types yeah. of education. But yeah, I mean, software engineering, obviously that's a big, big gap right now in the market. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still think that's a smart bet if you're yeah. thinking about what skills you need, yeah. Yeah. but also, you know, UX and design. And I mean, data science is huge right now. Mm-hmm. Machine learning, AI, you know, these are all the things that end up being huge in terms of the culture that we're building in the society that we're yeah, creating. I mean, sales, customer support, all that. Absolutely. And, and I love that you started touching on apprenticeships and internships. Um, can you talk a little bit more about any companies that you might have worked with at Tech Jobs Tour that are offering apprenticeships or internships and how people uh, or any stories of people that might have gotten those those opportunities? Absolutely. I mean, Look, we work with over, I think, 200 companies now. They're all listed on our website. I mean, most companies have apprenticeship programs now. The problem is, and here's the trick, is getting access to those apprenticeship programs because they're not on their website. You really do have to go through backdoor communities to figure that out. And that, look, and I think some of this should, there should be some challenges to figure out the map of getting this job, right? And this is all about how you access, whether it's a, you know, a grant, a scholarship, Mm-hmm. You have to do the work and you have to hustle to figure out the path. Yeah. But it's usually it's usually out there. I like to go, you know, to places like LinkedIn and search, you know, Oath is one of our our partners. Google's been a partner. Automatic is a great company. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are a fully remote company. Oh yeah. You know, they're an incredible company. And so, you know, put in automatic apprenticeships, internships into Google, into LinkedIn even to see who have had those former apprenticeships. Yeah. But finding someone who's had that before and this is a little bit farther up in their career, yeah. finding one or two of those people and building a relationship with them, I think is huge. And look, positive persistence is everything. It's so easy to find someone's positive email online yep. today. I mean, you can go into so many tools and figure out the email and you don't, you know, emailing them once isn't going to work twice, maybe not. But I generally, when I'm asking for a favor, I email someone three times, minimum yeah. three times. I, mean, I think there's like a minimum of seven touches, whether it's three on email you know, one on LinkedIn, slide in the DM on Twitter, slide in the DM on Instagram, comment on <laughs> Absolutely. one of them, figure out what all the you ways. <laughs> you have to be funny though. Like, yeah, you know, you, you can't be, you gotta be creative. Yeah. You got to be creative. You got to be funny. Use those gifts. But, um, yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. Other thing that's interesting. So LinkedIn had a reach apprenticeship program that was, uh, published on Monday. And within the first 10 minutes, they got about 400 applications from people who want to get those apprenticeships at LinkedIn. And so um, it's funny that we're talking about apprenticeships because LinkedIn actually published their reach apprenticeships about a week and a half ago, and they were looking to hire about 15 apprentices. And uh, within the first 10 minutes, they got over 400 applications online. So they had to cap it at 400. But to your point about applying to apprenticeships that are not available, even though it might be a little bit harder to go out and find which companies are offering these apprenticeships. If you think about availability, everyone does the thing that's the easiest to do. Same thing with just job postings online. Any job at Airbnb is getting hundreds and hundreds of applications a day. But if you can make that connection with the person or you can do the behind the scenes work to find who, which company is hiring apprentices, you might be one of the few people who are applying and then your chances go up like 10x. So if you're listening, definitely take some time to look through LinkedIn, look through Facebook, even Instagram to figure out who had those jobs. And by referral, just connect with those people and uh, and apply for those jobs. Yeah. yeah. You got to make it easy for them to do the, the right thing, right? People yeah. want to do the right thing. But, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll tell anyone, I mean, you email me with the link to the job opening 
and a sample email, I will forward that on to the person yeah, I know. Beautiful. Right? And a lot of people... Jordan, the- Jordan is, is actually a great example of someone who, mm-hmm. in our community who got a job at Twitter, an yep. internship at Twitter by yep. sliding to someone's Twitter DM, yeah, right? he hit me up two years ago and then he started sliding into a bunch of people's DMs and then was able to completely be self-taught, learn it, going through free code camp, was a veteran, is a veteran, got an internship at Twitter and is now full-time at Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's a, it's a great example. I think the other thing that you touched on that I think is very interesting is remote work. We get a lot of people that are interested in, in becoming a, a software engineer. They're like, oh, am I going to sit around a computer all day or you know, can can I work freelance? And I'm, they're looking for freedom, freedom. And can I was you, like, where's the music, <laughs> well, musical interlude for that? <laughs> can you talk about remote work and freelancing, what that actually means? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of how I ended up starting my company years ago is that I was really, you know, passionate about having that freedom. And I love to travel. I love to to experience other countries. I'm a, I'm an experiential learner. Mm-hmm. I learn the most um, when I'm in a new place. You know, we actually you know, live longer lives, the more that we disrupt our, our daily patterns, because all, you know, we're programmed to just create these patterns that, you know, how, we don't remember how many nights we watched Netflix, right? But we remember that one time we went to a different country and had a really late night and, and random adventure. And so for me, that was really part of just knowing what type of learner I am. And, you know, I think that it's totally possible to have that type of life. I will say, you know, fast forward years later as an entrepreneur, I definitely see the value of the in-person work yeah. dynamic. So yeah. it's an interesting push and pull. But I think a lot of companies like, you know, Automatic being one are set up for for that type of work. And there's so many types of education that you can get your training online and, yeah. and people are totally set up for having certain positions that are yeah. fully remote. Yeah. And yeah. nowadays you're like degree doesn't doesn't play as much in tech. Like people, companies care about what you could do. So if you're getting your degree online, I think a lot of people are over like over indexing on certificates or like credentials. Yeah. Credentials. And a lot of it kind of like stops a lot of people from proceeding, getting their getting the skills to do the job because they're worried that they're not going to get some sort of piece of paper that's going to like validate their learning. Nowadays, companies want to see what you could build. They want to see your portfolio. Totally. So if you're learning online because you're working a day job, that's totally fine because companies are not going to care if you learn on free code camp or if you got a four year degree. They're going to want to see like what applications have you built, what projects are you involved in, things like that. So. If anything, that's a huge advantage for people that live in areas that don't have a strong pre- strong tech presence because you can still be have a great tech job working for Salesforce or other companies that have yeah. automatic that have remote positions. Yeah. And you probably will be saving on the cost of living as well. Yeah, I mean, like, fo- focus, on your, uh, focus on your GitHub profile if you're an engineer, if you're a 100%. salesperson, like, yeah. show what you've been able to sell. If you're a designer, show what you've been able to design, et cetera. And like, those credentials are a factor when it comes to applications online just because the screens are going to automatically use that as a flag to try to get closer to somebody Mm -hmm. that does have the skills. But either way, you're going to have to prove what you know how to do. So I think something else that's that's good to talk about is the training piece. That's at Tech Jobs Tour that when you hear Tech Jobs, it's like only people in the job search. But you all have a lot of boot camps. You You talked about Trailhead earlier. You talked about online courses, offline courses. Can you talk a little bit about training for people that are trying to break into the tech is are they supposed to register for this event too? Absolutely. I mean, we're looking at it from a full funnel perspective. So everything from I'm interested maybe in a career change, you know, this Mm -hmm. this tech thing seems to be a thing. It's Mm -hmm. sticking around. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure exactly why, but I want to learn more about what is this all about? Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything from I'm interested, should I learn more about tech to, you know, how do I get that job at a specific company that I see on the website? Or how do I give back? You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's full it's full funnel, right? I mean, yeah. if you've been in the industry for a long time, like 
I promise you this is an experience that you can give back in a couple hours of your night and you'll feel, you know, a huge reward in that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting because now you can learn anything online or offline, whether it's college or not. And so that's kind of like information overload. Like how do Absolutely. how do people choose where they should go. Well, I think that's where you need that in-person connection, right? No matter yeah. what, you need to spend time with someone to be able to ask them questions. You know, yeah. so much is about, you know, what are, what did you do next? Like, what is the first thing you did? What did you think about? Like, what would you do differently if you could go back, right? Being yeah. able to ask, you know, six people in 30 minutes those questions and get different answers and synthesize sort of how they apply to you in your life and the pieces that you, the small nuggets of of goodness you want to take from each of those conversations because there is too much information. And yeah. I mean, think about how much in our life is about one person we met at this one moment who said this thing to us and made yeah. us go, hmm, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And then we went li- we went left instead of right. you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what it's all about is getting those different inputs from real people in person. And part of it is a connection with another human. You know, yeah. I mean, we get a lot of advice from all sort of all sorts of places, but there's certain ones we, we rank higher. And usually that's because it. it's, it's something that we share in someone else. So you recommend talking to someone or a peer group of people that are one step ahead of you that have Absolutely. done something and then getting guidance about where to go. Hundred percent. Got it. Okay, that makes a it lot starts. Of sense. It starts to filter the information in a way that you know makes sense to you. Okay, cool. So let's let's go back to your your experience before tech jobs tour and how did lesbian school tech start? You talked a lot about like focus. Focus. Yeah, let's talk um, about focus. Niche. <laughs> niche. Yeah. <laughs> so I started my career off in uh, LGBTQ activism. You know, I grew up in uh, San Diego and a place called Asperia, Inland Empire, and, uh, you know, fairly conservative areas. I grew up in a really religious home mm-hmm. and didn't come out until later in life, didn't, you know, realize I was gay until later in life. And so, you know, for me, when I ended up, you know, in a San Francisco state for a master's in education, looking at equity and social justice, you know, learned about things like white privilege, you know, which are just things that I hadn't, you know, been aware of before. And mm-hmm sort of looking at, you know, if you want to change the world, like how do you change the world for your own community and what communities are you a part of, you know, and that we all need allies. And I I don't want to underscore the importance of allies, but it's also important to think about, you know, fixing stuff for your own community first. And so, you know, I looked around the room and I said, well, I'm a woman, I'm white and I'm LGBTQ. And I also noticed, you know, this is back in uh, 2003, so a while ago, but I looked around the room and a lot of the LGBTQ people didn't want to do LGBTQ related causes. Mm-hmm. You know, that felt like their personal life. You know, that was personal. I don't want to mix my work. And I just for me, you know, I thought, well, <laughs> there's so much there that we need to fix. And, and, the, and, you know, the personal, sure, it's obviously a very personal thing, but it also affects every facet of our life yeah. and power structures and whether we can get married and have kids. I mean, you know, and, and the types of jobs that we can have because of the you know, LGBTQ bias we face. And so I, uh, you know, after my master's, I went around and applied, God, I think for 10 different organizations where they all told me I was overqualified because I had a master's degree. And I think I was, you know, the job range was like $30,000 in San Francisco. And I was on my last interview and I was really frustrated. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. I literally uh, picked out my flight to Peru to, I I taught uh, surfing at a summer camp when I was in college. And I was like, I'm going to go teach surfing, teach English, like just kind of get out of here if I don't get this job. And I applied for a database job at Equality California. And I got the job on the spot after wow. a two hour interview. I got two parking tickets that day. His interview was so good. <laughs> I've been there before. And he offered me the job and I didn't go to Peru. And I think, wow, my life would be uh, so different because it yeah. set me on a very specific path. And, you know, I learned so many incredible things. We were the organization behind No and Prop 8, which is yeah. 
the the proposition to win marriage in California or to keep marriage in California. We lost back then. God, I can't believe it's been 10 years since wow. then. But I got promoted three times, you know, while I was there, I ended up being, um, you know, on the senior leadership team. I did a lot of our data analytics. You know, I taught myself how to build a couple online fundraising tools that okay. raise millions of dollars. But it was, you know, I learned some incredible lessons. Yeah. I learned all about economic power. I ran some studies, you know, using our data around how much men and women were giving. Obviously, most of the women in our database were queer and sort of looking at how much women were giving versus men. And it's where I first realized, uh, you know, just how important economic power really is. And Mm -hmm. I felt like being a lesbian woman, I didn't really have a voice. And I I looked around and the movement was really run by gay white men for the most part. And uh, when I looked at the numbers, you know, gay men were also giving much more, you know, gay men were giving six times the amount of money as women, not statistically sound, but, you know, still significant enough to be looked at. And it was taking a lot more effort to get those queer women to give. And I sort of looked at my life and said, you know what, if you, you know, have the ability to have more economic power, it's actually your civic duty, you know, economic power, I believe is our civic duty. And so I said, what can I do to have more economic power so I can give back financially? And so I, at that moment, decided to either get a job at a, at a bigger company or start my own business. And I faced a lot of, uh, you know, bias at these bigger firms. Uh, They really saw my nonprofit experience and thought, you need to go back and get your MBA. And I thought there's no way I'm going back to school, like just mm-hmm. not happening. I already have a master's. And at the same time, my, my brother passed away suddenly. He was 28. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a very profound experience for me just in terms of, you know, the risk I was comfortable with and sort of moving forward in life. And I'd always wanted to travel more. And so yeah. I kind of decided to pause the big company move and uh, start my own business and travel and, and really take that, that leap that led me to starting Lesbians U Tech because that was sort of my first entry point into the larger tech industry. Yeah. And, you know, just realizing how not only are LGBTQ events, you know, mostly male, you know, you go to any LGBTQ neighborhood mm-hmm. event across the word, world and it's going to be 70 to 90% male. And so there's just a real void there for women. But then I entered into two tech events and it was just, you know, so male dominated. Even the women's events, I felt like we're missing the queer female voice. and you know, because of my experience at Equality California, you know, I, I learned probably the most important lesson that there's, there's two ways to show up in this world. And that's with your time and with your money. And your money's a lot more scalable. And so that was the new lens I was looking through everything with. And so I really started uh, Lesbians Who Tech as, as an experiment to provide value to, to queer women, to, to provide specific value to them, because I felt like that was something missing in the community. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, I I thought that you did the tech jobs tour and then now you've done all these other things as well. I know you did all those things before and it feels like you're just getting started. I know that you you applied lean startup principles, which a lot of people don't know about to nonprofit and social justice world work. And I think it'd be helpful for people to understand those principles because a lot of times people have these very ambitious goals, not realizing that in order to achieve that big vision, you want to start small and focused. So can you kind of talk about Kind of like what the MVP was for lesbians who tech. Yeah, I mean, look, our MVP was a a Facebook page or a Facebook event, not even a page. Yeah, minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. So looking at, you know, also sort of, you know, you have all these assumptions and kind of measuring those assumptions, right? That's Mm -hmm. a big part of lean startup. For me, I had an assumption that lesbians didn't show up, that we didn't want community, and so for me, I was trying to prove that assumption wrong. And what is the small experiment I could come up with to figure out that next step? And so. You know, it was a is having a small event, kind of spreading the word word to mouth, 
I think we had 40 people that first event. Mm -hmm. And man, they were hungry. They Mm -hmm. wanted a community. Actually, a couple went there that has a baby now. It was like that first event. They met at that event. And uh, yeah, they got married and they, they have, I'm like waiting for the first baby names to be after me, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's all the things. Yeah. So, and then the second event we had, you know, lines out the door. Yeah. And so it was clear pretty quickly that there was, there was something there, but was it going to be something that was sustainable? We weren't going to like build a website and build, you know, all of these things until we figured out like, what is this really? And yeah. so, you know, we did a lot of uh, user feedback, which is a huge part of Lean Startup. So, you know, making sure that you're talking to the people you're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a hundred calls with queer women from all around the world and technology. And I asked them what they wanted and, you know, and, and you also have to be careful because a lot of times people say they want things that they don't want. Yeah. So the next part is making sure you do an experiment to measure that. So uh-huh. I heard, you know, I asked people, you know, do you want something more meaningful? They're like, yeah, I don't want to go to a bar. And like, I want to have deeper, mean- more meaningful connections. All right. Well, that costs money to put on. Like, yeah. how are we going to do that? And I asked them, who's the one speaker you'd want to hear? And out of a hundred people, 95 not had one person, Wow, not one great. person they can name, not one queer woman, not one lesbian in technology or tech adjacent. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all, we're all in tech now pretty much so <laughs> that they'd want to hear speak. And so for me, that meant there was a huge need I could provide in yeah. terms of finding more visibility. Yeah. The five people did say a mix between Megan Smith and Kara Swisher, just to give yeah. them a shout out. Cause yeah, yeah, they're, they're a huge, they're a huge part of what I've been, we've yeah. been successful cause they've, they've really showed up for us and our community. And we, we would literally not be what we are today without yeah. them. So I mean, it started off with a hundred, then it went to 40,000. And um, for people that, you know, I know the tech jobs tour does a tour, but when the tour is over or while it's going and you have this lesbian school tech that's ongoing, what do you do on a day to day or weekly or monthly basis? Yeah. And look, we, you know, you should think about us as a family of brands, okay. right? We're different communities because we have different needs. And mm-hmm. so they are really separate things. Mm-hmm. They might eventually be their own companies, uh-huh. but um, you know, right now it's a family of brands and Lesbians Who Tech and Allies is is all about providing value to queer women, mm-hmm. you know, LGBTQ women across the board and technology from all levels. And, you know, queer women are really underrepresented. Like we don't have, you know, much community, no matter if you're in tech or not. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge part of what we do. It's also we're also about jobs and we have a coding scholarship program called the Edie Windsor Coding Scholarship Fund. Nice. And so we subsidize coding boot camp of your choice by fifty percent. Wow. We work with, um, Interesting. yep. Dev bootcamp used to be, they brought them up. They used to be a big partner of ours, but, um, so we're looking for new boot camps to work with and okay. partner with on we that front. With that. Absolutely. So it's sort of helping people get into tech. You know, we've had people in our community, you know, want to maybe work for a company, but they're not sure that they support them. Mm-hmm. And we have people in our community help them negotiate their salary. Maybe when they're there, negotiate their raise, you know, it's community on all fronts, but a huge part of what we do is visibility, yeah. right? I mean, that's just huge, oh, yeah. huge part. Awareness is the key. I think Nana from A Heroes always says like, awareness comes before improvement. And so I think it's very important to highlight those things. And so- But we have we have chapters, you know, all over the world, yeah. right? We have 40 chapters. We do events monthly. You know, we do international events and that's huge. I mean, being LGBTQ in different parts of this world is is more than just job and community. It can be life or death. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the value we provide in different cities changes and- we're still learning a lot and growing and making sure our team reflects, you know, the people that live in this country. And yeah. as we expand globally, that's something that we're trying to figure out is having that representation in, in different places. What are, um, what are some of the places that you're in? Berlin, London, Brazil. Um, oh, we've done stuff yeah. in Shanghai. We're looking at Singapore this year. We want to, we're not in India yet, but we're hoping to get in there soon. Nationwide? Nation, yeah. In the U.S.? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. 40 cities. Are, yeah. yeah. I mean, every, every city, you know, major. what are some differences in terms of the issues that women face 
in those countries versus maybe San Francisco or one of the bigger cities in the United States? I mean, man, it it spans so so far across the board. I mean, you know, even, even when you look at a place like Europe, they're just getting to the place where they're sort of saying like, oh, diversity is good for the bottom line. I mean, they're just kind of like where we are in America, probably they're probably 10 years back, right? Sort of looking, I mean, they're obviously very focused on on women and they're, well, and they're ahead of us when it comes to corporate boards, right? A lot of countries in Europe have quotas for the number of women on corporate boards and they're seeing a ton of impact with that and sort of thinking about not just, you know, bottom up, but top down too and all the change that can happen there. But, you know, we're just, even places in America, right? Like issues are different in in the South than they are in the coast and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how we can provide value in different ways, but absolutely internationally. I mean, there's just so many different things. But the beautiful thing is that, you know, because, you know, we work with so many companies who are, are you know, American-based, but they have offices and presences in other places, we can use the power of Silicon Valley of technology to do good all over the world, yeah. right? I mean, I've heard of stories where, Google's helped relocated a you know lesbian Indian couple in India you know when they are facing a life or death situation yeah they're able to re- relocate them to you know Mountain View those are those are huge things that are happening yes and and given that you you know started off with calling those hundred people and now you're this huge strong family of brands can you you know shout out some names of lesbians that are leaders in tech that people may not know about that aren't Kara Swisher or Megan Smith. Yeah, well, someone you're going to hear tonight, Carrie Bishop. She's okay. the chief digital officer of San Francisco. She's, um, you know, from the UK and she's done incredible, incredible things. I'm trying to think of some others. So good as we keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About some I mean, there's so many. It's hard one. to it's hard to pick. Yeah, yeah. You no. know, Mia Mora. She's a you know sales sales uh, executive at Google. Uh-huh. Um, we just did a great piece in Vogue, sort of looking oh, nice. at That's yeah. Good. Erica Anderson, who works at Google News, sort of looking at transparency. Okay. In news and how tech, you know, what kind of uh, accountability should the tech industry have? But yeah. how can we make news more accessible? Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And um, the other thing that you brought up as well was um, was that there's other ways that companies are thinking about the lesbian community versus like even the women community. Yeah, but they're both women. So yeah, like, I, I, <laughs> I know it's a funny thing, right? <laughs> lesbians are women. Yeah, it was interesting. I would talk to companies and they'd be like, you know, we're just, we're not there with LGBTQ things. We're going to, we're going to get there. We're really focused on increasing women in tech. And I'd be like, you know, this is going to be awkward, but someday we're going to hug it out. I know it. Um, I'm like, lesbians are women. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And, you know, but I think it's, you know, human nature to put people and, and things into boxes. Yeah. You know I mean? That is like a psychological thing that we are programmed to do to, to create those patterns, to understand things, to to put things in places so we can understand them based on our own experience. Right. And that's where we do have to really fight that need and and think about intersectionality and think about representation and, you know, bias, like to understand we are biased and we we've lived in a world that's racist and sexist and anti LGBTQ and that we're swimming in it. Like it's everywhere and that we have to, we have to fight it every day. And at the same time, lesbians do have unique experiences and we have to figure out how to provide value that's specific to them. And we really think about, how can you be specific without being exclusive? Mm. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. challenge. I mean, even in our community, right? A lot of people identify as being queer. They don't identify as being a lesbian. Yeah. You know, they're bisexual or they just identify with the word queer. For older lesbians, the queer was a derogatory term. You know, it's, it's a term they're not comfortable with. And so how do you be inclusive mm-hmm. um, while also having a name, right? You can't have yeah. 10 names. I think acronyms get really tricky. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be BLT tech. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, we have to think about those things. And, and so we've been very intentional with language, with quotas, making sure our speakers are, you know, queer women, bisexual women, 
our women of color, our veterans, our mothers, you know, we Mm -hmm. make sure those things are visible. And then we also in our language, you know, our tagline is queer inclusive badass. And that is an intentional decision, right? We chose lesbians because, you know, part of this was about reclaiming the word, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a weird word. I don't love it. I don't love, (laughs) I don't love lesbian or queer to be honest. I'm jealous of gay men. They have like a three letter word, a one syllable word. Um, Ours is like long. It sounds, you know, it's, it's not a great word, but it's our word and women fought long and hard to have that word. And so part of what we do is, is reclaiming that word. Like lesbian spaces are dying. The word lesbian is dying. I mean, the word lesbian on the internet is, you know, it's 95% porn. You know, we actually get flagged all the time because of that within companies. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a huge problem. We have like 150,000 Facebook likes. That's not because we have that many people. Like it's a porn related issue. And so, I mean, that's a tangent, but it is, you know, something that we're, we're working hard to fight. Yeah, no, very interesting. Yeah. So at, at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round. And this is where we ask you questions, but our listeners are sitting here, they're thinking about jobs in tech, and they're looking for strategies, tactics that you've used to break into your first job and now help other people get their first jobs in tech too. So we'll ask you a few questions, if you can provide strategies, resources, uh, that would be great. Take it away, guys. Yeah. So this question takes us back to the basics. So imagine you got dropped in a new city, you don't know anyone. And you only have $100 to get back on your feet, hopefully break into tech. What would you do and how would you spend that $100? $100. I mean, first thing I do is, I mean, I don't have any resources, right? I got no computer, no, or I can Uh, go. You have shelter. Let's let's assume, yeah. Yeah, I've got shelter. I just want to know how challenging this is. I got to know all the things. I mean, I'd probably figure out how to get to a computer, do a little Google searching. I would probably spend most of my time. What is the next event? I would look at Twitter, figure out who the the key influencers are, depending on what type of job I wanted. You know, I would uh, maybe ping a couple people. I probably wouldn't do coffees to start. I'd probably show up at a couple different mm-hmm. events to begin with and, and figure out, you know, how that city works, how that community works. Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd narrow down my search to four or five people. Mm-hmm. There are tools that can help you figure out people's emails. What are some if tools? Twitter, we use the thing called Nimble and they have, mm-hmm. you know, you can literally type in the first name, last name and the company I they work in. Nimble. Yeah, Nimble's a CRM and that they also have a mm-hmm. prospecting tool where you can find out. You know, but you just literally Google like email finding tools and there's there's a bunch of them, you know, and there's different logic, you know, first letter, last name. There's different logics you can use, but we do a lot of that. And I'd probably figure out a few people to email, Uh you know, email people between three and five times when I'm asking for something. What would be your ask when you email people? You know, I think coffees is a no, you know, don't do that because people don't want to meet for coffee. They want to meet for a specific thing. But honestly, I wouldn't even ask for a meeting I'd ask for if there was a role I wanted, you know, I'd be really specific with the ask. I saw this role on the website. Can you forward my resume on? I mean, those are the kind of emails I would do for people who didn't know me. But I think, you know, the events and finding out how to build relationships in person, because look, people, people want to help you. They just need a connection to do that. And yeah. the internet's hard to get that initial connection. Yeah. But if you have a vibe and you have, you know, you're like, you like track pants, like you like sweatpants, you like to wear, you know, I do too. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. all about the sneaker Personal life, connection. you know? Yeah. Exactly. And so they'll, awesome. they'll help you out a little bit more and, and think about creative. I mean, I spend my time, you know, when someone really needs someone, I'm like, this is their situation. Like, what are like three easy things I can give them right now to like take those next steps? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll yeah. do that every once in a while for someone I, I have a relationship with. Yeah. Sure. So you mentioned something that we didn't talk about in the pre-chat, which is that you surf and you don't just surf. You've been teaching surfing. So for the people that don't know, what is the biggest thing? that you've ever learned from being a surfer? Oh my God, so much. And it's something I, you know, I did when I was younger. First of all, I'm not, I'm not that great, but it is, it is one of the hardest sports 
that I've ever done. And I think it's one of the most challenging things. And I've been doing it again the last year. It's been sort of part of my like, okay, like I need to do something that I love. I really love to work. I mean, this is my wife and I fight about this. She's like, you work too much, but I love, I do love to work and I learn so much. And you know, I'm I'm just not someone who wants like balance to have balance. You know, yeah. you got to do things that you love. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what do I, what do I love? That's not like technically work. I was like, I really love to surf, and I miss that. And so I've been doing a little bit more of that lately. But you know, it's like you get stuck in the break. You know, you're trying to get past the break, and you, oftentimes it's it's hard, right? It's choppy. You can't get past it, and you'll get almost there. You're like almost past the break, and then you just get pummeled back, and you have to, you know. And it's like it's uh it's a lot of swimming. It's a lot of upper body strength, but really it's, it's mental and sort of figuring out the timing of it. You know, you can time it so you go in between the break in a way that's a little less, you know, it's a little easier, but sometimes you still have to get kind of in the, in the thick of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the things I've learned is just sort of, you know, patience and figuring out how to be more strategic and that, you know, sometimes you got to come in, like I've, I've literally come in and taken a break and had yeah. to like kind of rewatch the waves and, and retime things just yeah. depending on the swell. But, uh, you know, I think uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from League of Their Own. Uh And for uh, lesbians of a certain generation, which is uh, my age, I'm 37. This movie is is everything, you know, but he says to Gina Davis, he says, you know, if uh, it were easy, everyone would be doing it. And it's the hard that makes it great. And I think that's true for so many things of life that, you know, it's really the hard that makes it great. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, then the next question, it's about jobs and self-doubt so a lot of people we talk about jobs we talk about careers we talk about going to events and meeting strangers i think a lot of people face the imposter syndrome when they start putting themselves outside their comfort zone what is your advice and how have you dealt uh, whenever you start feeling uh, self-doubt or that imposter syndrome yeah it's interesting uh someone once told me a lesbian you know i love your events because everyone is slightly uncomfortable right you know i might have someone that you know, just the name, like doing something that's like lesbian specific, first of all, even for lesbians and queer women, but you might have your boss there. You might have someone who works, you know, works for you there. And there's like, you know, there's cat jokes, there's all these things. And, you know, it's just a different space, but it's that just, it's that level of discomfort that makes everyone, you know, laugh a little longer, a little more open to conversation. You're like on your toes a little bit in this way that makes you feel like you're in this safe space to build relationships. And I think that's the really important part. I mean, for me, you know, I have a couple, I have a couple of big fears in life, you know, whether it's been flying or, or I actually used to be deathly afraid to public speak. And I would, you know, when I first, first started all of these things, I, I really had to overcome. I would video myself, practice it. I would write it. I would watch it like just to, re- but honestly, nothing beat the fear, like doing it and over time. And now, you know, the fear is pretty much completely gone. I still get the butterflies, but I don't have that like sort of stuttering fear that I used to have. And it's, through repetition and leaning in, you know, to the fear a little bit, like you have to do things that make you uncomfortable to grow. Like growth is equals discomfort. I mean, that is just the nature of life. So I, I think mean, you can't build muscles without resistance. And I think absolutely that's even great job search advice. I mean, just like record it, you know, watch it, you know, practice in the mirror and things like that. So I, I love that. And at this point, I have to make an apology because I know when I did the shout out earlier, I pronounced Oscar's name incorrectly. So Oscar Robles is actually here in the building with us right now. Um, And he's joining us for the lightning round. And so for this next question, we're going to pass the mic over to him. So thank you, Oscar, for joining us. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me here. It's great to be here. So yeah, my question, I have a question. Leanne, you do talk about yourself as the queen of events and we host events. That's like the core of what we do. 
and include the product is really about transcending that moment that you have in like a speed mentoring session to an online platform, taking some of the advice that you get in the session to an online space for that further validation or, you know, further next steps that a mentor can provide to a mentee and also that the, you know, hiring partners can find and source the talent. So how is that working out? Like, how does that transcend to the platform? And can you tell us more about what the goal of that is? Yeah. I mean, I obviously I think, you know, IRL is is everything and building relationships is so important. But, you know, the reality is that you can only scale so much by doing events and um, you have to figure out how to support that with um, you know, something online and that can scale in a greater capacity. You know, for us, obviously, a lot of what we do is around jobs and career inv- advancement, which happens at events. But we want to track those, you know, in an easier way and we want to facilitate more of those jobs. And so the product, you know, is essentially, you know, also pipeline. And, um, you know, you build a profile, you add your projects, you add a resume. But what we do that's different is that we have technical mentors. So you can get technical feedback on top of finding your dream job. And really the the core problem that we've, you know, looked at in terms of talking to recruiters and, you know, remember they have thousands, if not tens of thousands of resumes and, you know, their job is difficult. And so how can we make their job easier and how can we curate, you know, talent for them and how can we, you know, really invest and lift up underrepresented talent because that's also what they want. And we're trying to do that um, in a way that makes sense to them. And the reality is that, you know, one of the biggest tools is direct referrals. So we want to use direct referrals, something they already know how to do and flip the script to make it um, more intentional around inclusion, right? So we're actually uh, connecting, you know, someone on the site who's looking for a job with a senior software engineer, maybe at a company like Amazon. And they, um, you know, they vouch for them. They say, yes, I would bring this person in for a phone screening, right? We're starting with a really low level proxy. And then we'll we'll go into more in depth to, you know, I worked with this person on a project or I video chatted with them. But really, you know, asking the technical mentors, what are three things, what are three pieces of advice that you can give someone, you know, general career advice, but also saying, you know, yeah, I would bring this person in for, I would, I would do at least a phone screening, right? I mean, the truth is we meet people all the time. We look at their LinkedIn profile and we have a gut vibe and we say, yeah, phone screening, that's, you know, that's just, but that's just getting from like the 20,000 pile to the hundred pile. And that step is so crucial. So if we can scale access, especially outside of our bias networks, I mean, what we know is true is that our networks tend to look like us. And so how can we actually be intentional about that bias and connect people outside of our bias networks, right? Because we have to do this quicker. Like the diversity problem hasn't changed and we spent a ton of money on it. So we're, we're looking at new tactics to try to figure out how to solve this problem. Talk about that, t- that ton of money that has gone out and hasn't changed. We spent $1.2 billion on trying to solve the diversity problem in tech. Nuts. Doesn't make any sense. And when you are passionately working on, on your stuff and angry and aggressive, you want to go in and solve <laughs> problems. What's some music that you listen to? What routines do you Ooh, have that like, get you going? That's a going? good question. I am really into slow jams. Okay. So Usher is everything oh, yeah, to Usher's me. Um, Brian McKnight, mm-hmm. um, Alicia Keys, Classic. you know, Janelle Monet. We just, we actually just took the team to Janelle Monet okay. the other day. Nice. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a nineties R and B passionate. I know it's not like when you're angry, but it really Almost. calms me. It calms me. I like, calms I like me Drew Hill. Drew Hill. Yeah. Drew Hill's here. everything. Oh, yes. Cisco. Absol- Cisco. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It. But I do, I, I, I almost work out every day. Okay. Um, I've been working out since I was probably 12 years old. Got it. So that's sort of been part of like, I, I'm not me if I don't do that, Yeah. but I do, I do a lot of hot yoga. I do a lot of running. I try to try to surf a little bit more. Nice. Don't love the cold water here, but yeah, you cold. know, it's very yeah. cold. But yeah, nice. I still haven't done the hot yoga thing, but I think now I'm going to do it since you. You should try it. it. You should try it. You let me know. Let me know how it goes. What's the best way for people to stay in touch with you? 
all the things. My email is super findable on the internet. So it's mm-hmm. Leanne at lesbiansutech.org, Pitts, L-E-P-I-T-T-S at Twitter and Instagram, same. So hit me up. One more thing. What should we expect for lesbians in tech in the future and tech jobs too in the future? Like what's your like your vision? Like what, what do you see things in the next like five times? I mean, I want to solve this diversity crisis. I want to help great people get the jobs they deserve, okay. you know, for me. You know, but I do say like, I think it's good to always have a a moonshot of kind of like what if there's one or two things that will happen in the world, how will you know that you've been successful? And for me, it's uh, it's seeing a black lesbian president. Oh, wow. Wow. That's 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 for that's for me what I'm going for. That's how I know my my work uh, will be at a certain place. Well, we want to help a billion people. I know working with you will be able to do a lot of things. So without further ado, let's break in. Let's break in. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.